guys. We're in episode 5 of Ask Yourself, Making Change Happen. Ask Yourself is a learning discussion where we seek questions to be more intentional of how we understand ourselves. We are two friends who are trying to make sense of ourselves and the world together. Hi, I'm Nina Guno. I write the news to connect with the world around me. And I'm Elisha Corpus. I consult with different companies and different individuals specializing in culture transformation. It's another episode and we're here again. But there's yeah. so many things happening everywhere. Happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every week is just something crazy. I know. Every day there's every day. something. That's true. It's like last week we had Independence Day, which is something I think connected to what we're talking mm-hmm. about today. I know it's it's very tiring. I think well, it's not funny. It's just maybe kind of ironic. Like last week I was thinking that it might be too late if we talk about change now because people won't feel super fired up about it anymore. But no. <laughs> not at all. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. and mm-hmm. But I like that there's already so much passion about it, so many um, emotions around it, meaning people want change to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we just got to do it in a way that we're a lot more intentional and right. more conscious about what we're doing exactly. Right. And I think that's really what made us do this topic for today. But before we jump in there, maybe it's nice if we do a little check-in because, right, we said there has been so many <sighs> emotionally heavy things going on. So maybe what have you been doing to help you cope and get through all of these things right um i've been more conscious about meditating and it's so so what i find hard about meditating is like the length of time so i have an app it's called calm and it's a great app but i've been finding that the meditations are too long 10 minutes um, I wish I could be that patient or that um, mindful enough to last the whole 10 minutes. But I found out in the app that there's a part where you can just do a breathing exercise and you can pick the time that you want to breathe. And it's so it's so helpful for me, um, especially, and it could be helpful for anyone who's mm-hmm. short on time. So even three minutes, even five minutes, even one minute actually would, is super helpful. Um, just breathing and getting yourself back grounded and not so in your head anymore mm-hmm. nice. what about you Liz? okay well for me it's not as calm as your calm app but i've been trying to like watch the things i want to watch so usually because i like binging things i would just wait for like that one day when i can just do episode one to eight or whatever oh. Yeah, but it's been so hard to find like a big chunk of time to do stuff. And so I've just been trying to do like, okay, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. And I guess it works because it's queer eye. So, oh my gosh, same. That works. So I find that that's been helping me find something to smile about. Because at least even for just like a few minutes of your day, there's something nice that you're seeing and you're letting your brain like stop th- thinking about all the other things. Yeah. We're a lot more in control of our time, I guess, than we realize. 
Mm-hmm. But that we have to make, we have to really be conscious about making that time. Um, but yeah, I do the same with K dramas because I can't last like an hour and thirty minutes just watching one thing. <laughs> so I do the same, like thirty minutes, few chunks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad that there are things that have been helping us, and we find that. And I think being able to talk about this topic today, that's what, at least for me, that's what I hope people get out of listening to us for, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. I hope that talking about change and the things that we can do for change could bring some sense of comfort. Because I know personally for me, it really does. When when I try to ground myself again on like purpose and what impact I want to create, there's some sense of control and empowerment there. Right. So what exactly are we talking about today? <laughs> Since we brought that right. up already. Yeah. For me, um, I've been overwhelmed with all the events going on. So there's just been protest after protest um, in the U.S. And even here, we've seen mm-hmm. protests like in Independence Day. Um, where people are against the anti-terror bill. So I think it's so clear that we're sick of the status quo. Right. Like, what is going on now? It's not okay. Um, and I think we're all, we all want to work towards a much better new normal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think the general sentiment is like, we don't want to go back to what was before. We want something new. Um, we want something different. So we want change. But I guess you can give more clarity also on how we could get there. Yeah, I mean, when I look at what's happening in the world, regardless of, you know, your political affiliation or your belief, because we know and we have been talking about this, how divided we all seem to be. But I think one thing that we all have in common is we want change to happen. Yeah. That idea or that sense of urgency there. And yeah, I think for me, what we're talking about today is that it's change and what does it take to make that change happen but scoping it down to our level of what can we do to make that change happen given you know our set, our scope of influence who we are and what's realistic right yeah there's a sense well personally and i think with other people also a sense that you can only do so much that um this is only um, what we can do to the point that you would think that maybe I shouldn't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary. Um, I think we can do much better than that. So that's why we are here today because we want to see the ways that we can actually make a change mm-hmm. um, Yeah, within our own circles, within our own strengths. Yeah, and building on our topic from two weeks ago, which was about like passion and career and drafting your purpose, I think it flows very well to think of purpose as the impact you want to create. And then that is influencing the change that you want to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, like for me, I'm an introvert, so the way that I usually see change is that you have to be very loud about it, that you kind of have to get on stage and demand something, <laughs> which is great, yeah. But for me, like the change that I, I see, I want to be part of more is where we're recognizing that we're all connected. That's why mm-hmm. we got to work on change together. And I feel like um, I'm more comfortable or for me, it's more realistic to do it like 
on a, in a way that's more one-on-one or for example with writing so i think it's also why we're here because we want to see that you can have your own impact and it's tied in with your purpose right um so it's really based also on your context and definitely everyone can partake in making change mm-hmm. happen all right so maybe it'll be helpful if we go through some basic definitions here yeah. so what is change okay <laughs> big word <laughs> uh, that you can talk the dictionary for it <laughs> so according to the, dif- the dictionary the definition of change is to make something different <laughs> mind blowing kind of right? but also like it's the most obvious thing in the world mm-hmm. the thing though is it's not the most obvious thing in the world that's why at least in my field so just context my field is around human resources so strategic human resources and organizational development so in our field we have a whole body of study and it's called change management so the definition of change sounds very easy but actually you need like a whole field just to study what that is and how to do that yeah, so maybe you can take us into that, um, what change management means. Um, not everyone is familiar with it. And I think it should be a topic that isn't limited to the corporate sector. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll read like the textbook journal article definition of change. And I'll then give the how I understand it based on my experience definition. Okay, so... This definition is from ProSci, so that's a a change management firm. They have their own method of change management, and they're actually very known worldwide. So a lot of huge companies use their method. So change management is the discipline that guides how we prepare, equip, and support individuals to successfully adopt change in order to drive organizational success and outcomes. Change management provides a structured approach for supporting the individuals to move from their own current states to their own future states. Okay, so lots of things going on there, but I do think that we can think of change simply as a field of study all on its own that specializes in figuring out how to make change happen as effectively as possible for the people and the systems who are impacted by that change. So hopefully that helps make it a little bit easier to digest. Yeah, I think it ties in to how we want to drive home that everything is actually connected, um, even if you're not affected by a certain Mm -hmm. issue. There's, there's just something, our systems just affect all of us in ways that we don't even realize. So I think that's why it's so important to talk about this change management. Right. Yeah, and to your point, change management actually recognizes that there are multiple levels. So mm-hmm. think of an organization, let's think of that first because that's the easiest example. So think of a company, right? You have your individual employees who make up a team with a manager who make up a department with like a director level person maybe who make up your whole company with a CEO and different executive leaders. And so within that 
little system, there are multiple levels. And all of these levels are individually impacted by change, but also the way they interact with each other, that's impacted by change. And they impact change. So it can get really, really confusing. That's why having that sort of systems thinking, having that assumption that my actions affect yours, my feelings affect yours, my thoughts affect yours. That's pretty much one of the assumptions we always come from when we do these change initiatives. Nice. Okay, I really like that. And I think we don't ever talk about that. That never really comes oh. up when you talk about change. Um, and I think that maybe we should talk about what we currently think mm. of change, um, what misconceptions we might have right. about it. Or what we can question so that we can better understand what change is really about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. Because I think I only really learned about change management because pretty much my whole family is in this field. Mm. So that's one of the ways I got familiar to it. And also through school. So I think it's one of those topics that it only goes around in certain circles. Yeah. Which is yeah. unfortunate, you're right. It is. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because I took management as my second course. And it was only um, explained there. But actually in the news, there is so much change going on mm. that <laughs> actually we needed so much um, also in our field. And actually in any field for that matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess one of those misconceptions I, I usually hear about is that change is an event. So a lot of people think of change as that one thing, that one activity or, you know, that one situation that caused this whole ripple and then everything just instantly changed and a difference, you saw that difference instantly. Um, So... I think, though, that could be a little bit dangerous if we just start thinking of change that way. Yeah. Going back to since we just celebrated Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that there was this whole revolution behind it. Um, we know that there's a group behind it, like the, the KKK. And, but we don't always talk about what led to that being made. Actually, there were so many people along the way um, who were opposing uh, colonization. Um, And even actually after that event, right, we were still not independent. And I'm sure there were still people fighting on and on for it. Mm -hmm. So we don't really get to talk about that. We just see the big historical event. Right. That's it. Right. So Mm -hmm. as opposed to that, what would you say changes more of? Change is more of, it's a process. So instead of like that one instant loud event, think of it as a series of multiple events, multiple activities, maybe multiple projects that all lead up to that whole. So of course, yes, maybe there are some instances there that are huge and loud and whatnot. But the danger with just thinking of change as those events is we tend to forget the smaller things that happen. We tend to forget those, those activities that also contributed to that change that we've been thinking about. And so what happens is we zone in so much on the short term and forget that it's actually 
a more longer term kind of process. Yeah. So we really cannot expand, expect things to change instantly or all of a sudden. Um, where if you want change, you gotta be in there for the long haul. Right. And I think that's the part that's a little bit hard to accept naturally, mm-hmm. right? Because we're impatient for something to happen. And I get that. Like from a human emotional level, it's hard to be patient when you see so many things going wrong around you. But I think we also have to start balancing out that passion, that impatience with this more realistic view that, okay, we have to think about all the little pieces and the big pieces that make up a whole. Mm -hmm. And I think when we actually spend time thinking about that, then these pieces can be more coherent and more powerful. Right. So we got into talking about change as a process and we've been emphasizing that everything is connected. So with that, I think another misconception is that um, only the people who are doing wrong have to be Mm. the ones to change. Um, But actually, we're part of it too. We're also part of whatever system that is problematic. Um, And of course, we're also part of the solution of that. What, Mm -hmm. What can you say about that? I think there's something here about ownership. So we tend to be sort of biased that we see ourselves as separate from whatever we perceive as bad. Mm. The best example I can give again, because my context is organization, so I'll give an example from there. So think about when people say, oh, I hate my manager. My manager does not know how to communicate. My manager does not know how to be nice or how to be empathetic. And then we turn to our seatmates and we do the same thing. Like maybe you exclude someone in your team who you think is weird or you exclude someone who doesn't talk very much or someone who's not like you. And so you're doing the exact same things that you say your manager does. And these are the exact same things that you think are bad. And so I think sometimes when we view change, we tend to separate ourselves from our perceived bad behaviors when really, in one way or another, we do it either directly or indirectly. Right. I think with that, we can ask a question of ourselves, um, especially (laughs) when we want change. And we also want to see what exactly our role is Mm -hmm. in it. So maybe the question can be, in what ways have I been part of the problem that I want to solve? Mm. That's a (laughs) tough question because I'm sure, of course, we want to be totally faultless. Um, But I think when you examine your biases, you examine um, how you've been really behaving around people, reflecting on maybe how you make other people feel, that can help you. Yeah, because true change is being able to confront those beliefs that you have held for so long and then being able to ask yourself, how is this problematic and what am I willing to do to change that? So there's this term I, I used to hear a lot in my former employer. So growth mindset is one of the most important parts of our culture. For those who don't know what growth mindset is, it's just 
knowing that you can always learn something and that your talents or your knowledge, they're not fixed. So you're not born um, being a good singer, for example. What you have to do to be a good singer is to keep on practicing and go to voice lessons. So if you have a growth mindset, you believe that you can grow. So I think that's the easiest way to explain it, right? The opposite of growth mindset is a fixed mindset. So people with a fixed mindset, you just think, okay, what I believe is what I believe. That's who I am. Sorry, not sorry. So <laughs> that's usually what it looks like if you have a, gro- a fixed mindset. In my former employer, we would usually say we have to be able to confront our fixed mindsets every day, in every situation, in every conversation. So I think it's more active because to have a growth mindset, you're basically just describing what being a learner is. But to say that I'm confronting my fixed mindset is actively trying to ask yourself if you've been part of the problem all along and how you can solve that or change that. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. And yeah, it, it, it's really, I know it can get tiring, but I think it's also worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you don't do it, then... You're just gonna be stuck um with the same assumptions, maybe the the wrong assumptions even. Yeah. And it's sad because it means that things won't change. Mm-hmm. It's tiring, I think you're right there. But also once you practice it, it might even feel satisfying. Cause what we know, right, humans love to learn. Humans cannot stand not being developed. And Confronting your fixed mindset, that could be an easy, everyday way to learn something. And so what if this could be like a quick learning and development hit for you, right? On an everyday basis. Right. Okay. And another thing about change is that we tend to think only a few people are responsible for it. (laughs) Right, we get tend to Classic. think that yeah. it's only the authority figures, like what you've mentioned. If the manager is the one you think is a problem, then the management should probably do something about it. But we don't see what a role is in, mm-hmm. is in it exactly. Yeah, we tend to think that it's only the people who are directly involved have mm-hmm. something to say or have the power to change something. I see this a lot in my field. So, for example. If a person says, oh my God, I really hate my department. It's so toxic there. I'll tell HR. They'll do it for me. And so you find the person who is the most uh, directly related. And then you just think, okay, it's your job. Do this for me. Thank you. Um, That can be a misconception though. Because like what we mentioned earlier, it's a system and we're all connected. Right. Um, I think also with regards to that, I've seen it also in education, but in a good way. Um, when we're thinking of change, one of the things that I've really seen it in action is in education. So my first job was teaching in an after-school learning center, and we thought we thought the kids' growth growth mindset, which is amazing. And one of the but one of the attitudes we really wanted to see was grit. Um, and I think it's tough to measure attitude, attitude change, but then when you're able to verbalize it, um, you can see that the kids, 
they learn it too. So for example, they're having a hard time with the math problem and you, t- you remind them, well, you have to have grit. You can't give up. And they, they're able to practice that over and over. So, you know, it could really happen um, at any level, mm-hmm. not just in the traditional ways that we think it's supposed to happen in like in the public sector, like the government, we expect them to solve all their problems. But actually, we all have a way of doing it. If kids can do it, then of course we can too. Yeah. I think lasting and sustainable change is when all sectors, even if you're directly or indirectly causing the problem, are confronting their fixed mindset and then doing something about it or putting some action in place. So like the example I have is so US centric, but let's go with that. So their current problem now, right, with like the protests and racism and police brutality. And I think the special thing that a lot of people are saying they're starting to see is different sectors of the country are committing to action or committing to confront the different practices that they've been doing. So like, for example, even the dance community, there are certain terms there like urban, which, you know, might have questionable roots. And so they're committing to finding a better way to use that term or maybe even change that term. Think about the coding field. So I don't know a lot about this, but from what I heard, there are certain references to like master and slave kind of languaging in that field. And so they're committing to change that too. And I think it's that multi-level, multi-sector kind of action that we really want to see so that change can be sustainable and lasting. Right. Okay, so to summarize um, about their misconceptions about change, mm-hmm. we've talked about how we usually think of change as an event, just one big event, and suddenly things transform. I'm kind of like in Disney movies when, <laughs> you know, like the, the grass gets green and all the trees come out because of one big thing. Right, when someone uh, sings or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's always been my dream. <laughs> We wish, right? right. Um, another thing is the, the only the people who are doing things wrong are who need to change, but actually we should be examining ourselves. Um, we also tend to think that it's the responsibility of just the people who are affected by the problem or the issue. But actually, we all have a part in it mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I think one of the important things here that, at least for me personally, I find comforting Sometimes the biggest change that you can do is unseen. Sometimes it's in how you can help someone shift their mindset or how you can help someone to to listen more, to be more empathetic. Those kinds of changes will never make the news. Or maybe they will in Nina's features. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in mainstream news as a headline, you rarely see these kinds of changes. But it's a collection of those people, many, many people, changing their mindset and shifting their beliefs. That's how you get like true and lasting and collective change. Okay. That's like super inspiring. But how do we get there? <laughs> this question. <laughs> you have any insight about that? 
Yeah, I think before we get into some of the points that we had thought of earlier, one of the biggest references here that we can use is by this researcher. His name is John Cotter. So John Cotter is like the name that we all go to in change management because he has this eight-step process for creating major change. And it's a process that many companies have tried and tested and it works. So when it comes to change management, it's really him who we can refer to. So just letting you know, this is where we got a lot of our ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe since it's eight steps, um, yeah. maybe we can simplify it. Yes, and we will. Don't listeners. worry. <laughs> okay. okay. Where do we start? <laughs> so I think one of the things that's already going well for us is we have that sense of urgency, right? Like we mentioned earlier, we all feel that change is coming or that change needs to come. So I think it, we're good there in terms of creating a sense of urgency. The first thing I think that we can bring up and think about more is having this sense of vision. So vision is like uh, an understanding or a declaration of what that future or what that change will look like. I think now a lot of our narratives are about what we don't like. But we haven't really seen a lot of people who have taken the time to define what do we want it to be in that future once the change has happened. I don't know. I, for me, that's the sense I get. I don't know from your perspective. Yeah, um, same here. I feel like people know the problems, but they don't know. They know it has to change, but they don't know what it's supposed to look like when it's all fixed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think we need that um, so that we can all work towards something, a common goal. Yeah. And I think an organization that's been able to do that successfully is Teach for the Philippines. Um, so their vision is for every single Filipino kid to have quality education. And that seems like it is such a big ask to achieve that. But they've been able to recruit graduates, um, very bright graduates from across the country and from the top universities to become public school teachers in the communities that need it the most, that have been so underserved. So can you imagine like these graduates could have gone on to be in a multinational corporation, earning so much more, but they got them to um, work towards that vision. I think it's because they were so clear about Mm -hmm. it, that they want relevant and quality education for these kids and they provide a training for it and to the point that i've seen i've been able to work with some of these fellows the tfp fellows um in my line of work when i was in education so they go to different places they go to startups they go to um, government and they're able to still push for quality education when they're there and i think it's so important that they're in those um, different sectors too because they since they went through the experience of teaching in public schools then they can inform policy mm-hmm. or they can um, be part of companies that can contribute more to that yeah I want to point out that thing you said about the vision was so clear that it became so powerful and these 
these kids really who could have gone somewhere else chose to do the hard thing. And that's what vision does. I think the the thing we have to realize here is creating a vision takes a lot of work. And if it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of time. That's, I think, something that we don't want to accept because then <laughs> you have to be a little more patient and you need to have the right people who are finding the information to make that vision. So, of course, leadership is going to be very important here. But I think also it's not just all dependent on the leader. It's also up to us, like normal people like you and me, who are clarifying that vision for ourselves. And so once we have a clear understanding of that for ourselves, it's then in the stories that we tell that can magnify that vision. Wow. I think this part needs a question or we can know, have a yeah. question here to be Big question though. about this because before you could even start enacting all the change, you got to start from somewhere. Like where do you want to go mm-hmm, first, mm-hmm. right? So maybe our question could be, in your ideal future, how do we treat each other? Very hard to define <laughs> that. <laughs> but here's the thing. I think if we don't take the time ourselves to define that, how can we demand that of other people? Like, really, clarify for yourself what you value and then be part of conversations that are helping to clarify that vision. I mean, I think being normal people, that's something we can do. And I would say, actually, do not underestimate the value of stories. One of the biggest tools that we say we need in our toolbox, so in culture transformation, storytelling is actually one of the best ways to get a culture to change. Because it's when you give examples of like good behavior, if you get, give examples of how people make that vision come alive, then other people get ideas and then they also start it on their own. They also make their own action and then it just magnifies. I know it, it sounds a little like, ugh, like utopia, cheesy, blah, blah, HR stuff. That, that's why sometimes I'm like, ah, outside of my field, it's so hard to talk about these things. But I think it's in that podcast you asked me to listen to where the person there who's a futurist said that we do have to have that hope. We need to be able to, you know, look at these positive stories and not just be sarcastic and I don't know what the word is, but like, yeah, too critical all the time. Yeah. And so I think part of it is that like, Take the time to imagine this future and try to dig inside yourself some hope. Yeah, and it definitely helps to listen to stories because Mm -hmm. then you'd see, oh, it's actually realistic. And it is happening. Um, I think the Teach for the Philippines, like they have fellows making testimonials all the time. Mm -hmm. And because they're my friends, I see them in newsfeed that we talk about it. So I'm like, I have hope for the future of our education. Mm -hmm. Thanks to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you write stories. So I'm sure you know, like the power and the reach of all these things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always like to think of myself as like, I'm more of a thinker and I really am. 
But when it comes to these topics, something I've realized in my career is it can't all just be like, this is the theory and that's it. Because a huge part of change is really you have to pull that hope from somewhere. <laughs> and like, sometimes I find myself being like, what, am I the cheesy person now? But uh, I don't know, maybe we should all be the cheesy person one of these yeah. days. Life's too short. <laughs> <laughs> Our new motto. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, with that, we, we talk about these little positive stories that actually give so much hope. Um, actually, I can recommend one Instagram that I love, the Good News Movement. I, I love that because it's like super small actions um, that people do. Uh, and it's so, it's so inspiring. And I think with that, that's why we, we, our misconception is that change has to be this really grand thing. But actually, we can all contribute in our own small way. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I would challenge the small and you you know this already. I have many feelings about small ways. Um, I think instead of thinking my own small way, we can think, what is my own unique way that's connected to the purpose that I have set for myself, the impact that I want to see? I have a lot of feelings about this because I remember in college, I forgot what class it was, but I had a professor who once said that we needed to write a paper on activism. And then as like a, a side comment, this professor said, well, don't even bother saying your small way. We all know that's not going to work. And like, My. I just felt so demotivated after hearing that. Cause, so fixed mindset. Right? <laughs> and like, for a while in college, I had that ingrained in my brain. And so I would tell myself like, okay, maybe I can't join that political discussion because I don't know enough. Or maybe I shouldn't join that like that group or that movement because I don't think I can do what they do in you know that big of a scale. Yeah. And so having that misguided belief just stopped me from looking into my own unique way. And yeah, I hope that anyone listening here, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something small or that change is only brought about by a certain set of actions. Right. Yeah, I think we really have to be more open to how everyone can contribute. Um, Definitely everyone has a role in making change happen. And my experience... Um, in terms of making change and honestly I feel like such I have such imposter syndrome talking about this because I feel like have I really made any change <laughs> but who am I to say that I made change happen but um, I have been part of really great organizations and I've seen everyone as a whole mm-hmm. make things happen so you know I cannot discredit those efforts and uh, and how amazing the people have been in working together to do that so I one of those organizations and the first uh, organization I volunteered for was Tulong sa Kapakapatid mm-hmm. and we both volunteered for it um, at different times and at first I when I was in college since I had no money I would but I had the time I would go there on weekends um, to payatas to tutor kids and that was great because I got to connect with the community but as I graduated from college and I got into work I couldn't do that anymore. 
And there's still some guilt that I'm not able to see um, our caps, our kapatids, um, that regularly. But what I love about our the founder, um, Ate Kritya Santos, hello. Shout <laughs> um, out. She, he's so great at letting everyone volunteer whatever skill mm-hmm. they have. So now, since I'm, I would say my strength is writing, I'm able to write like copy for the website. I'm able to write a grant so we can ask for money. And it's great that I'm able to do something in that way. Um, and everyone else also has their own way with marketing, with finance. Even our accountants are super important to, to helping us um, in, our, in our goals, which is really related to education, so tutoring, scholarships. Everyone is really important in that. Right. The thing we want to emphasize here is look at what's in your scope of control and then make the change happen there. Like, for example... For both of us, we're involved in 2KK and your control is writing. You're good at that and so you do it. For me, my contribution is consulting. Like, that's my job and so why not help them become the most efficient and effective organization they can be so they can do more and help more. I think it's each of us finding that unique way and that unique group or scope to influence, that's the key to getting this collective change. Another key I would say, though, is we have to be intentional about connecting it to the bigger societal change. Mm. For me, that's what I think is missing. I think a lot of people are doing the quote-unquote small ways kind of contribution. But it's the intentional declaration of how this will help the bigger societal change. That's what's missing. And so I think if we get better at communicating our own unique perspective and our own unique way, if we get better at making the connection to the bigger societal change, then we can influence more people and, you know, make more change happen. Right. What ways can we do that, though? Does it have to be, for example, do you say it online? Do you have to keep declaring that, hey, I'm volunteering at this org so that I can do blah, blah, blah? What, what, are, ways, what are effective ways do you think that we can communicate it? Okay, so I also think that that could be one way, right? I mean, instead of just let's say, for example, you volunteer in an organization. Instead of just simply saying, hey, I volunteer here, talk about why. What, what is it about that org that you value? What kind of change do you think being in that organization will bring? What kind of contribution are you making by being there? I mean, I think the more we can read examples of that, again, it's this storytelling aspect the more we see examples of those stories then the more it can influence other people to do it so that's one of the ways i'm i'm thinking of the other is again from that podcast that we talked about earlier the interesting thing that stuck with me from that is the idea of craftivism and you might be able to talk more about this What I found interesting is there's this group of, I think, women, right? Mostly women who are very good at crafting. So like knitting, crochet. And 
what they do is they invite people into their very warm, very encouraging group. And while they knit or crochet, they would talk about social issues and what they can do. And then they actually did something. They were able to petition Marks and Spencer. So this is in the UK. They were able to petition Marks and Spencer to like increase the wages of some employees or something like that. Maybe you can tell them more that's about amazing. it. Yeah, but that's a gist of it. Um, yeah. But I love the title. And the speaker, she's Sarah Corbett. She had a TED Talk and it's called How Can Introverts Be Activists Too? So that resonates a lot with me mm-hmm. because, yeah, I'm not really the type to be super loud about demanding what I want. And even on social media, I try to be very selective about what I have to say about certain things. Like for me, if somebody said it already and they did it really well, that's cool. Like, I'm not gonna be the one to make my own thing. But I think that's also important. And that's, Sarah said it too in the, in the podcast, um, that the thing is, when you have, when it's kind of, you kind of become a personality in these movements, it kind of also becomes about you. And for her, she'd rather not take away from what the movement's really about. So I think that's why we have to be way more inclusive about how we define activism or how we define how to make a change. You call her Sarah now. Sarah, I know we're close. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Sarah Corbett. (laughs) I'd like to think we're friends. But anyway. um, You would be, but I'm really bad at um, crafts. (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) So maybe we can be like the people giving drinks or tea i don't That's know true. <laughs> or maybe we could have growth mindset and be like we can learn how to knit. okay fine yeah. <laughs> um yeah so going back to the story sorry couldn't resist um i think the story from our friend sarah it can give us a question right, right like maybe right. it's something like what is my unique way to make a change happen And if we are intentional about reflecting on that and sharing that, communicating that, I think you'd find that you can influence other people in your circle to do the same. Right. That's so true. (laughs) Um, I I talked to this couple. So they're both women. And I was asking them, what are you going to do for Pride Month? Because there are no protests. I mean, there's no parade. And they were saying, oh, we'll probably like do a song together. So, yeah, there's like, and because they're, they're both into music. So there's really, there's really ways that you can advocate for something in your own way. Right. I mean, I think one of the things that we also need to recognize here is we are very privileged to be able to do our own unique thing, right? Um, but again, like what we always say, let's not think of privilege as this bad thing. Maybe it's about us recognizing our privilege in certain areas mm-hmm. and then using that to find our own unique way. Okay. So what's another thing that we can look at um, so that we can move towards change? I'm thinking about how we can't do change alone, that you really need other people to work with you. But because of that, there's a there's a chance and it will happen and happen again that people are going to get some things wrong. And I think mm. that's what's been tough with some of the movements I'm seeing that um, people shut down other people because they got certain things wrong. 
And it's been a problem um, even before in the past, like the feminist movement, for example, uh, getting women's right to vote. There, it was a really tough, uh, tough uphill battle because the, even within the community, they couldn't, they couldn't agree on certain things. Mm. So what can we do about that? Okay, it's another round of cheesy. So if I go through it fast, maybe it'll be better. <laughs> I mean, I do think, and in change management, we say this also, there's a certain part that we have to accept that people will make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But we have to have enough humility and enough of a willingness to listen so that we can forgive ourselves and each other and then once that happens go educate yourself educate yourself the people around you learn some stuff so you don't make the same mistakes um i know it sounds like oversimplified if you say it in that way but yeah maybe that's one of the hard things that we can all contribute being humble and listening yeah, I think especially if you're in the position of privilege or power, then it's also up to you to be really willing to be called out when you do something wrong. Um, I'm just remembering now, because I'm part of this organization called Usapang Lalaki, where we discuss gender issues um, in small groups. And we, in one of our discussions, we let people say their preferred pronouns. And we had non-binary members who wanted to be referred to as they, but because we recognize, like, um, stereotypically or like from what we know, we see them as men. Some of the members would say he or him, but we'd correct them, they'd be corrected, and then they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, correct themselves. So it's, we really have to be like that, um, allowing yourself to be corrected and learning on and on. Yeah, I think... A part of it is being brave enough to experiment. And I know that's a very hard thing. So I say this because in my context, for example, I have worked in the U.S. And we all know they have like a huge problem there with discrimination and racism and all of that. And so a lot of the people who are part of African-American groups, they say that they actually need more white people to be talking about these things. But then you interview the people who are, you know, in the white group. And for them, it's hard sometimes to talk about these things because they don't know how. And so I think it's all of us trying to understand that there are things we don't know about each other. And it's our responsibility to find out. Like, yeah. we don't always have to wait for other people to educate us or to give us the answers. Exactly. Like, there's going to be a lot of awkwardness, especially if you're working with people and you're, you all have to work towards this big common goal. It's going to be tough. But I think it's, if, you're, if there's a lot of kindness in it and a lot of humility in it, um, I think things will be okay. Yeah. So, again, quoting our favorite Brene Brown. <laughs> Right? She would always say that we have to be just awkward about these things and accept our awkwardness. Like, come on, let's be awkward and nerds and geeks and whatever about this. Because at the end of the day, 
we don't know a lot of things and maybe the more awkward we get, then the more we can find out what are these things that we don't know. So yeah, be awkward. That's our new motto. <laughs> Great. Okay, I think we can summarize what we've been saying mm-hmm. about change based on the eight-step process and yeah. to trim it down to some key messages. So one thing that we talked about was having a vision mm-hmm. um, and really driving that vision so that everyone can see what they're working towards. Yeah. Then the second thing we talked about was let's start redefining the quote-unquote small ways belief that we have because if you're able to identify that sphere of influence if you're able to do your own unique thing to contribute to that sphere of influence and if you're able to explicitly make the connection and share that connection to social change then you're not doing a small thing right and lastly we talked about how you really have to work with other people to make change happen and because of that we have to be really forgiving of each other when we get things wrong, and we have to do the work to educate and correct ourselves. Okay, and so is it time to summarize our three questions? Let's do it. All right, okay, so question number one is, in what ways have I been part of the problem that I want to solve? So this is about confronting the ways that we may have been problematic and then committing to doing something to change that. Right. And the second question was, in your ideal future, how do we treat each other? So this is going back to vision before you can make any change happen. You've got to have a vision. And although it's really, it's much easier to think of the problem and then try to think of solutions towards it. I think we, another way to frame it is we can think of the problem and then think of what would be the ideal world um, where this is solved and we're all treating each other in a much better way okay and then our last question our question number three is what is my unique way to make change happen so again this is about looking at what's realistic for you and then doing that with intention recognizing your privilege and then making something out of it great okay So I hope that makes change a lot less overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I hope the examples that we've given also have given some insight into what ways that you can contribute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, if there's any like final thought that I want people to leave with, it's recognize that change is overwhelming. Like let's all accept that. But also with that recognition, know that, there is a whole field of study dedicated to it, which means we cannot lose hope that it can happen because there are ways to do it. We just have to find out more about these ways and maybe make more of a commitment to do them. For me, it's really important to have, to find people who want the same change that you do. Mm Find a community. There are so many, um, especially in the development sector here in the Philippines. It's actually really vibrant. And I'm sure if you just look online, you could actually find a way that you can contribute. But even if it's not just through volunteering, I'm sure even in work, we've seen, right, like um, these corporate sectors, 
they also find ways to make change and to contribute to it. So definitely, there's just a way that you can make change happen wherever yeah. you are. As a consultant, that's one of the things I always love talking to people who work in the corporate world with. Um, I'm sure you all know the term like corporate slaves. A lot of people in the corporate world, they see themselves that way. But I think over the past like five or so years, we've seen this movement for corporations to be more purposeful, to do social change in not just like their, let's donate and then that's it. Like, no, there's this movement going on in the business world that they're recognizing they have to do something more. And their employees are also doing that something more. So yeah, maybe you don't have to look beyond your current job. Maybe there's already something there. I don't know. Ask yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So thank you everyone for listening, for using this time to learn something new and hopefully to be able to apply this in your own way yeah and as always thank you so much for taking the time to learn with us and for asking yourself the hard stuff bye Bye.